0: No truck stops, a pack 12 basketball podcast. I am Carlos at Equity Brew and Joining me, unfortunately, live during a fucking UCLA basketball game, is Greg Abanandamor.
1: I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that uh, now, I did this to like you. Eighty percent of our basketball listeners are UCLA fans. Okay. Great. Well, you know what? We we have a time <laughs> when we normally record. Okay. We have a time <laughs> yeah, when we, we normally do, record. Yeah. And was it me who moved that? No, it was mm-hmm. not
0: no it was not I am uh, I was flying I was en route to uh, Big Ten country here in Minneapolis for whatever reason and so yes we had to move it and Greg only can only do Wednesdays and uh, needs to go to sleep by apparently 8:30 p.m uh, every night so I don't have to sleep fantastic. I just do other shit. <laughs> anyway let's talk about some pac 12 basketball today that's what we'll do but first subscribe to our youtube channel all three of you who are tuning in uh, there would be about a hundred if it weren't for this during being during a ucla basketball game but here we are uh like the video Comment away with your thoughts in the YouTube chat. Follow us and tweet us at Pod on Twitter. Send us in your questions and rants about Pacto Basketball. We, got, we will absolutely look at that. And, of course, podcast listeners, follow the show on Apple and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, leave us a five-star review. As always, uh, we've got po- uh, content over at our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. Greg, y'all just posted a uh,
1: Week 12 football preview episode, right? Uh, we did, yeah. We were talking about the upcoming week with Arizona, Utah, USC, UCLA, Stanford, Stanford, Cal, and, of course, Oregon State, Washington State dove into the the Chip Kelly news a little bit as well. I thought it was a pretty good one. Good, yeah. And if you and
0: also the Oregon State Wazoo news, yes. too, where they apparently claimed control of the Pac-12. Oh,
1: uh, we didn't get to talk we, about that. We actually that did not the... talk about that. <laughs> oh, okay. We, we okay, talked okay, about okay, Oregon well, State Wazoo, the football game they played eight weeks ago. (laughs) Oh, oh,
0: no, I mean, they had a, uh, you know, they had a, the ruling says that they have control now. Not that we are like legal experts whatsoever and know what the hell that means um anyway so that's all that is on patreon for five dollars maybe we'll take some time to talk a little bit about oregon state washington state news uh here uh if you don't want to spend five dollars but you want to show some support why not subscribe for three dollars just give us three dollars on patreon you could easily do that and then unsubscribe we'd we'd really appreciate it if you really love these shows um so consider trying that anyway it's time to get into Pac-12 basketball, actually, before we do that, let's talk about this Oregon State-Washington State ruling. I know this okay, is like yeah. boring legal bullshit, um, but apparently a judge ruled in favor of Oregon State and Washington State being the lone Pac-12 board members. We have not talked about this at all on No Truck subs. I feel like, you know, it's like realignment was the only thing we were talking about, and then we were just so eager to talk about Pac-12 football. Uh, and we just said, no, fuck realignment. We're never going to talk about that again. <laughs> um, but Oregon State and Washington State uh, filed a, a, a suit, a motion, whatever the fuck, a legal thing to try to take control of the Pac-12, the rest of its assets. Uh, they were worried that the Pac- remaining Pac-12 schools were going to try to sell off all of its assets and then uh, divide it up among them to pay for a bunch of stuff, including some Comcast deal that went wrong. In the end, uh, Washington State and Oregon State win. They take control. They're the only remaining board members. I don't know what this means, but all I'll say about this is that uh, Washington State and Oregon State should be the ones left with the remnants of the Pac-12 because they're the only ones who have stayed because they were royally screwed over by the other Pac-10 schools because they are the ones that are most disadvantaged. So real justice to me is making sure that those who are more disadvantaged are the ones who benefit from these sorts of things. So, you know, good for them. I I get that there's probably going to be a lot of Oregon and Washington fans who are mad because their schools don't get money that they will never see. But, uh, you know, here we are. Did you have any thoughts about this, Greg, for any reason?
1: Yeah, I mean... I think that this is the right decision. Like you, I'm right there that it's bullshit that these teams think they should have any of what remains of the Pac-12. If you wanted that, you should have stayed, fucking obviously. Uh I've seen so many so many fans of these departing schools pretending like they're being reasonable in yeah. wanting to still have a vote. In the Pac-12, despite the fact that they're leaving the Pac-12, which is just ridiculous. Um, That's such bad faith bullshit. Yeah, it like really is. like, I, and they and they expect to be taken <laughs> or, seriously, yeah. but you shouldn't take them seriously. They're not serious people. Um, I have seen some conflicting uh, opinions about the upcoming Supreme Court decision, because or Washington Supreme Court decision, I should say, because I don't know if you saw this, but it seems like the, the 10 schools led by Washington will be appealing this to the Washington State Supreme Court. And I've, I've seen differing opinions on what that means. I've seen some Washington State fans, and they live in Washington, so they, of course, know better than me, uh, some Washington State fans saying that when the University of Washington tells the state government to uh, jump in regards to screwing the university of Wash or Washington state university, uh, the government says how high. <laughs> so that that's concerning for me in terms of like hoping that appeal gets rejected. But at the same time, I've seen people say that legally they won't have a leg to stand on because the original judge didn't do anything illegal. And so there's nothing really to appeal. I don't, I don't pretend to understand, uh, <laughs> That's honestly way more yeah. than uh, I I was ever expecting. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't that I probably could have done. I, I so. don't understand it, uh, but you know, there are some hopeful Washington State fans, some pessimistic Washington State fans. The departing school fans seem hopeful, and they're acting, they're getting on their high horse, acting like this is just the two schools trying to screw the student athletes. Oh, God. Insane. Just such silly, Insane. bad faith bullshit. Let's grow up. Yeah. Let's grow Dunk up. Doug Scott, Jesus I'm talking Christ. about you specifically. Yeah. Be serious, yeah. please. We have
0: no problems. We have no, we have no problems calling out media. <laughs>
1: we're, we're unbounded.
0: <laughs> who, who cares? I guess when we show up to a thing and they're going to be all mad at us, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just... But- it's so. It's silly. It's silly. Fat bad faith bullshit. And you know, you got every every media member now is a big fucking honk mm-hmm. uh, that needs to defend its school at every turn. You know what I mean? Like, and this is sort of the media. The media landscape now is that it's all fractured, and you've got people uh who cover oregon who are like oh well it definitely makes sense because i've twisted my brain into a (laughs) pretzel to say that actually oregon should be the one that has as much of a Mm -hmm. vote as oregon state washington state and then the like silly dumb like oh they actually never did say they were going to leave the just shut the fuck up shut the fuck up Uh,
1: i've been proud of utah fans (laughs) for the first time in a while because all the utah fans i've seen have been rooting for oregon state and washington state in this yeah but i guess utah has utah fans have the luxury of doing that because they're one of the few schools leaving or not one of the few they are one of the schools leaving who isn't taking a half share when they when they enter their new conference (laughs) (laughs) a little bit of bruised ego maybe from the oregon washington yeah 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 yeah. and those are the ones who are most vocally anti-oregon state and washington also fight on rusty uh that guy on twitter he's uh He's a character for sure. Uh he's been pretty anti uh Pac two keeping the money and the facilities and whatnot. Uh but yeah, in general Let's grow let's all grow up here. Come on. Use let's use our brains. Um
0: Anyway, let's uh, let's get into Pac-12 basketball as I uh, <laughs> very woefully watch UCLA look like absolute shit against Long Island University, Brooklyn. They were up by ten last uh, time I looked. Oh no! No, they're up. They're up nine, but they look like shit. They look horrible. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of a lot of things about this UCLA team. We can get into it later, but let's start with a, not a UCLA team. Uh, let's start with U- UCI and USC. Our first upset of the season. Uh, this happened last night on Tuesday evening. The UC Irvine Anteaters took down USC in the Coliseum 70-60 to in a game that Irvine, frankly, controlled for the most part, Greg. Um, USC was without Boogie Ellis and Kobe Johnson, so gotta like, give some caveats there that does need to be said. But overall, a brutal performance from the Trojans in this one. Uh, There's a lot of stuff to take away from this, a lot of things to nitpick, a lot of observations that I have here. But what did you think of this game and how it unfolded?
1: Okay, so before this episode, I said, uh, I am going to have fucking unhinged takes about USC Alright, I want you to guess what those takes are before I go, because I promise you they're unhinged.
0: Oh, like like are you honking for them or are
1: you just abandoning ship right now? I am higher on USC now than I was before they lost that game. No shit. That's fucking insane. That's insane. I don't know how okay, all right. Let's hear it. Go ahead. That's insane. Here's why. Here's why. USC is missing in my estimation they're two best players in this game. I think that Mm -hmm. Boogie Ellis and Kobe Johnson are better than Isaiah Collier, which is not meant to slight Isaiah Collier. I'll get to him in a minute. Uh, Those two are just fantastic basketball players. Boogie Ellis is probably the best scorer in the conference. I can't think of anybody else who uh, would come close, really. Caleb Love on his night, maybe, but I think Boogie Ellis is a much more consistent player. Uh, Kobe Johnson, phenomenal perimeter player and just overall connective piece like he just does everything and he does it well and very clearly they were missing that as well as just the depth you usc had to play a very shallow rotation uh against uci i think that usc if i recall correctly played eight guys and uci played like 11 um mm-hmm. it was it, it you know like and i think that made a difference you it looked Like USC was pretty tired by the end of that game, specifically Isaiah Collier, who was phenomenal in that game. I thought he looked fantastic. He is by far the best freshman in this conference. He is a special talent. The turnovers are an issue, but at the same time, I feel like a lot of those turnovers weren't really his fault. Like He's throwing good passes that are hitting guys in the hands, and they're surprised. You know, I think yeah. I think there were at least three of those that I saw in the game where, uh, and three different players too, where <laughs> he hit a guy with a pass, bounced off the guy's hands and it took the guy like a second to realize that a pass had been thrown at him. I feel like as they play together more, they'll develop chemistry. Those kinds of turnovers will stop. That doesn't mean he's not going to be a high turnover player because I think he probably will be because uh, he does have some turnovers that are just bad and that are definitely his fault but his ability to get to the rim is incredible. I'm, I'm trying to think of other guys in the conference with his ability to do that, uh, but I can't think of anyone with the combination of strength, speed, and skill that he has. Like, the way he gets to the rim so quickly, creates contact, but he's strong enough that it doesn't affect him too much so he can get a foul and still have a chance of making the shot. Uh, I'm so impressed by him. I think with, even without Boogie Ellis and kobe johnson usc was unlucky not to win this game the shooting luck was horrific uh i don't have the numbers in front of me but i think they shot something like 16 percent from three i know dj rodman was oh for eight uh is it Oziah sellers was did he make a shot He was horrific yeah he was horrible <laughs> uh no i think he might have gone like one for ten or something and like that it was he was horrific his shooting stats for his career are bad I think he's a better shooter than he's shown. Uh, It's a pretty small sample size, and his jump shot doesn't look broken. It looks okay. I think his shooting numbers will get a little bit better. Um, Overall, this USC team just has so much that I like, so much that I like. And after watching this game, seeing a close game with that team, where Isaiah Collier was the only creative piece they had, they were missing two of them, I think. I think Kobe Johnson is so important for their offense as well as their defense. And Boogie Ellis is huge because at the end of this game, you saw UC Irvine really doing their best to deny Isaiah Collier the ball. Uh, They they did not want to let him get the ball late in the game. And he was able to sometimes, but when he got the ball, they shut everything down around him. So he had to pass. Having Boogie Ellis I mean, means you can't do that. You know, there's two guys who can really kill you off the bounce, and having Kobe Johnson on top of that, somebody you can pass to and maybe cut, maybe shoot. Especially if they get Bronny James back, I I think this is going to be a special team. I think it's going to be an incredible team. I can't, I can't believe. Uh, <laughs> uh, for
0: those who uh, are just tuning in right now, USC fucking lost this game. <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> Holy shit! Um,
1: they they looked horrid. Uh, they, I think the reasons um, they looked horrid uh, here, are because of the guys who are missing. Yeah, and I, they still I, almost won. First of
0: all, first of all, uh, uh, okay. Let's. I'm gonna just I'm gonna stick with your energy here and say positive about USC for <laughs> one second and say, UC Irvine is a very that is an old team. That is a really experienced and smart team like i think uc irvine is not a horrible big west team or mid-tier big west team first of all uc irvine always pretty competitive you're in and out with russell turner there uh is always you know they, they always play really good defense offensively always ultra limited that's sort of what happens but very 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 um uh disciplined defensively and they were really good in this game uh, i thought uc irvine played really well uh like you know that's sort of what you expect from a team. They're just they're starting five seniors. They're they have a really productive team. They forced USC into a lot of ugly shit. They themselves didn't turn the ball over seven points, seven point seven turnovers on the game here for them. Um, and you know they had a couple of hoopers. Honestly, I mean they had they had two dudes who really I think carry them, um, and we're just making bucket after bucket after bucket. So. I'll give them that. Like, UC Irvine is actually a tough team and a tough one when you're in your third game of your season and you're missing two of your best players. They are a mid-major, they are a big West team. Uh, but, you know, Justin Hone went absolutely crazy for them, was just hitting mid-rangers and beautiful shots. That jumper he has left is right. so
1: funny, though. Like,. <laughs> um
0: their big man their big man whose name i can never like bent bent i think he's luke luke um he he stretched usc out mm-hmm. uh he with his uh shot making from the perimeter uh that was a problem but uh just to transition to usc here where this is not a uc irvine big west podcast <laughs> um they looked horrid I, I i i i so here's the thing isaiah collier is an ultra talented intriguing player he was ultra talented and very intriguing in this game, but this was the first game where I was like, "Oh, he's got some stuff to learn here." I thought he was. I thought he forced, uh, he forced a lot of action. I thought he was forcing a lot of, uh, a lot of USC's offensive possessions. It felt like it was. It really did feel like, "Oh, okay, Boogie Ellis is out. I guess I'm gonna have to be the one to carry this team." Where I think USC probably has a a little bit more going for them, um, other than just Boogie Ellis taking shots and Kobe Johnson trying to create turnovers on the other end. Um, certainly that's part of it. Uh, but I, I think, I think you would expect them to run a better, more systematic, more deliberate offense at this point. But um, Isaiah Collier, it's all in his hands and he is forcing some stuff. I do think that he is forcing things. I think that he is uh, taking on the role of someone who is, who thinks he's supposed to be the offense. And frankly, the way things are going, Andy Enfield doesn't look like he's, Disagreeing here at all. Um, so I, I guess I'm of the opinion that this is a bad game for them. Uh, Isaiah Collar was horrid. He went, he shot what is this, six for 18. And he, now he got 13 free throws, which is just indicative of how much he was attacking in this game. But he also turned the ball over a whopping seven times, which is also indicative of him trying to force things, which is what he did in this one. Um, he, uh, I probably can sort of understand that because he didn't get much help from anywhere else, but they weren't exactly trying to get good looks. USC was taking a ton of bad shots. This looked like what USC has been the past couple of years where it's like they're forcing the issue, not taking very many good shots. Um, and they end up in these situations where they're, uh, you know, they, they look ugly. They look bad. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm, I want. I do want to kind of give them a pass for missing their best player and their, you know, maybe their second or third best player in Kobe Johnson and their first in Boogie Ellis. Like they provide a lot, but I think you should still be able to beat a Big West team, even a really, really good one, if you were well coached, right? Like if UCLA played UC Irvine tomorrow with the team that they have, I would expect them to win that game. Now I wouldn't expect them to win it very close because I do think UC Irvine would give UCLA. You know, a team that has starting f- like four freshmen or whatever, uh, I would expect them to give them a game. I would expect that to go to the last second, but that's the kind of game I would expect. UC Irvine controlled this one. And if you're USC, you have enough talent, right? Like they did not get uh, anything going for Joshua Morgan, felt like they had an advantage on the interior, didn't take advantage of it with uh, Joshua Morgan. Vincy Wachuko, I believe this is his uh, first game back didn't really he didn't really get much on the interior they weren't really working to get him much it's just is like their game is just all perimeter shit at this point it's all isaiah Collier attacking from the perimeter slashing and I'm just not sure that that's sustainable um as an offense so I, I don't know I mean I guess i i like I'm excusing usc a little bit here because of those injuries but I'm also like you, you gotta do better than this you can't get controlled by UC Irvine. um i i don't know
1: maybe i, I I don't know if you have counters to that. I don't want to defend Andy Enfield, and so I won't. Um, if Andy <laughs> Enfield was a better coach, they would have won this game. I will not deny yeah. that. Uh, he's not a good coach. <laughs> and That is yeah. abundantly clear when you watch them. However, I think when healthy, they will be good enough to mitigate his weaknesses as a coach. Because when healthy, I think this is a team that is just going to work together beautifully. Watching this team like in the UCI game... They were, it was a team that was crying out for Boogie Ellis. It was crying out for Kobe Johnson. And I said it before, I'll say it again, crying out for Bronny James. And I'm not expecting Bronny James to come in and be a star. I don't think that's what he is or what he should be for this USC team. What I want from him is to be a little bit like Kobe Johnson, not the same level of defensive player though, but like another level higher offensively. Being able to start those four on the perimeter and have Josh, one of Josh Morgan or Vince Iwachuku in the middle is just going to be a nasty lineup for people to deal with. I, I think that is the best starting lineup in the Pac-12 by a decent margin. Now, I still don't think this team wins the Pac-12 all healthy, uh because i, mean, I
0: feel more confer- i feel definitely more confident
1: about yeah that yeah yeah, yeah because this. we you know we saw andy enfield's uh weaknesses as a coach on full display but i believe in the talent a lot right now uh that's where i'm at isaiah collier like you said he definitely has stuff to learn the turnovers are an issue he forces shit that sometimes he doesn't even need to at the same time he had negative help in this game like the only teammate who had a great game offensively was Harrison Hornery, who I owe an apology to, by the way, because uh, <laughs> you said you didn't want him to play more. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want him to play more. I should said have said that about literally anybody else. Like he played, he yeah. played really well, and he's been he's been pretty good this year. Uh, so my apologies, Mister Hornery. Uh, you <laughs> you you are a good player. Uh, you did a good job. You were the only one helping Isaiah Collier against <laughs> UCI, uh, but. Man, this is going to be a scary ass team to watch when they're healthy, I think. Yeah. They they are um they're
0: talented, but uh this is this is concerning to me. I guess losing to UCI is just a concerning thing to me. Like, uh, I just, but but you know what, UC Irvine though, I will say, competitive team. Uh, they are a really interesting, intriguing competitive team. I want to. This is an interesting comment from Chad that uh, Russell T- Turner deserves a Big Five coaching, sp- a Power Five. I think he means like a Power Five coach. He's gonna go coach at Big Five Sporting Goods, <laughs> um, a Power Five, Power Six in college basketball uh, coaching gig. Uh, he's a great coach, I, I will say. You know, he's got that one black mark where he made that homophobic remark. I don't know if anyone remembers this except me. Um, I think it was against it was against Oregon, actually, of all teams. He made that one homophobic remark remark about um, uh, Louis King for Oregon, and he called him like Louis Queen or something. Um, and it was like ooh, it wasn't a thing. I will say though, in, it, not in Russell Turner's defense, but just as a, some more context. Russell Turner like learned a lot from that. <laughs> there's an article. There's an article written from um, I think it's Out Sports, uh, which is part of the SB Nation. They run an LGBTQ plus uh, sports site, and they had a long, lengthy profile on Russell, Russell Turner and what he had learned from that moment. And it seemed like he did a lot of really, really great work to learn about why that was homophobic. And I think is one of the few examples of someone who mm-hmm. I think you know, was willing to kind of learn and go on the record and talk about that and say, here's what I've been doing and here's what I've been trying. And who knows all that stuff is kind of performative sometimes, but I think it was a big lesson for him. But so I just can't, I can't say Russell Turner deserves a power six coaching spot without, you know, yeah. Are bringing that up because that's such a, that's such a core part of his story, but you know, he's, he's bad UC Irvine, um, you know, in contention for quite some time now, that was 6 years ago, it feels like now it wasn't that long. It was like 3 or 4 years ago. Whenever Oregon was last in the tournament and played UC Irvine. So, um, we'll see. I don't know. That's kind of an intriguing spot. Stanford, like that'd be a great
1: spot for him after they get if they ever decide to get rid of Jerry. Yeah. Oh god. We'll we'll get to Stanford, but <laughs> you, you back to USC because I am endlessly <laughs> Wow, I
0: thought we were going to move off endlessly okay, intrigued
1: by them. I think that The USC, uh, I think USC is going to be a team that loses some bad games uh, in the regular season. But when they get to play the real, uh, like the the contenders in the conference, like when they play Arizona, I think they are going to give Arizona hell. I think that is going to be... Oh, a, I
0: dis- I could not. I think disagree that's going to be a
1: brutal game for Arizona. I think that USC's size USC's athleticism is going to be an issue. Let's let's move on to this is
0: <laughs> oh, it's an interesting comment. Let's move on to the other big game here: uh, Arizona beating Duke, and then we could talk about Arizona and USC and which one we think is where you would put them in your sort of Pac-12 tiers here. Um, Arizona goes to Cameron Indoor Stadium and beats duke 78 73 this game was a blast this was like these two teams were connected the entire time i'm not sure either either of them ever pulled away um arizona ends up with a five-point win another massive road game for tony for tommy lloyd feels like that's all he ever dude did um great all-around game from a bunch of guys uh Kylan Boswell, 12 points. He filled up the stat sheet again. He's this is come becoming common for Kylan Boswell. I feel like he does this regularly. 12 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. Um, a block. Even had. <laughs> 4 for 7 shooting, absolutely absurd player. Fantastic performance from him. The the one that I think is kind of a difference maker for Arizona this year is Kishad Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh he had 14 points, 6 for 14 shooting, not ultra efficient, but had eight rebounds uh to go with, along with a steal and a block. Uh, he was fantastic in this game. Uh, Pella Larson, 12 points, six rebounds, two assists uh, to chip along with that. Caleb Lube, uh a bit of a shot jacker, 11 points off, 10 shots, but he also uh, played some incredible defense here and uh, did have some brutal turnovers. So Arizona goes
1: on the road
0: and beats Duke. What were your react? Did you get to watch this game? What were your reactions to what was happening? I thing? was
1: able to watch this game in its entirety and the number one thing that I thought about this game and looking at the box score now goes against what I thought I was seeing was Tommy Lloyd, I thought, really liked Crevis in this game. Hmm. Uh, like, he he, he... he used him a lot. He, uh, he,
0: I think he started him over Bolo, right? He, he
1: didn't start over Bolo, but he came in really early, I think. Yeah, like in the one minute mark. Uh-huh. Call and like, he, like he only played in. 12 minutes, but it felt like he played... He, was all over yeah, he yeah. felt like he played a lot more than that. I thought he had a really good yeah. game. I think he's going to be a contender for sixth man of the year in the conference by the end of the That's year. That's interesting. Uh, I don't think he'll win it because he's not going to be a scorer type, you know, but like in terms of impact, I thought he had a really good game. I thought he was pretty impressive. He missed some layups that you in the post that you'd like him to make. But I kind of think that was just noise. I think he's going to be better. There going forward, but back to the game overall. Uh, Arizona was impressive in this game for sure. I mean, Caleb Love, for Christ's sake, he was. He might genuinely be doing the Remy Martin. Like, he might be doing (laughs) what Remy Martin did at Kansas because he was an impactful player. He shot terribly in the game. He was three for ten, one from five for three, one one for five from three. But uh, defensively, he was like. Giving effort throughout the game like he had a monster block uh on a duke player whose name escapes me but i was so impressed to see him like making an impact outside of scoring because it's not what i was expecting at all uh and like you said kylan boswell man what a player like just so complete as a point guard and uh, i'm gonna do the the commentator thing he's still only 18 right uh <laughs> he's yeah now we got to get another year of that we had it all last year oh he's 17 he's 17 and 17 now we're gonna get this and kasha and johnson man like the arizona team is fun i like them a lot uh i'm still i'm still skeptical though for march this this did not bring me off of my arizona won't make it to the elite eight position i don't know if it did that for you <laughs> no I, no because i Here's the
0: thing um, and we alluded to this and we've talked about this over and over again. this is what this is what Arizona does. They do this every single year. It, they, like they had some big wins last year against some fantastic teams. And at the time when they'd happened, we were like, damn, wow, Arizona's doing it again. Uh, they are kicking everyone's ass and it does not matter who they play. They they went and beat Creighton. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know where that was. It wasn't in Creighton or or in Arizona, but they went and beat Creighton. They beat a San Diego State team that at the time was very highly and rated. Went to the final and four and went to the national right, championship right, game. Yeah, uh, they played. They beat uh, a really decent Cincinnati team. They beat a totally decent Indiana team, although Big Ten tax from them. And then they went and uh, hosted Tennessee and beat a really really good Tennessee team. They like went. Then they beat UCLA, uh, you know, uh, in Tucson before they finally started losing some of those games. But it's like they they have Tommy Lloyd's, like, a resume like big wins signature wins he's like, got em. he's got yeah. a huge fucking cadre of them and this is another one i mean i think i will say i think this is maybe the most impressive mm-hmm. not necessarily per kempom i actually think per kempom the tennessee game might have been a little bit more impressive although that was at home you know maybe the I tennessee and on 2021 the road
1: game is on the road like that's a tough place to play uh yeah and 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 they won and i thought they they were deserving winners. I thought they looked like the better team in that game. Uh I, I would I would say that's the most impressive win of his career for me. Yeah. Um, so I mean, but you know, so I
0: guess I'm gonna try to stick to this game. Um, and in this game, I was really impressed with Arizona's physicality. Like Mm -hmm. if I'm thinking about things that I'm watching for from uh Arizona and to see if like is this team gonna figure something out? Is this team going to put a run together? Is this team going to um learn some of its lessons? I think the physical I think they look more physical. Uh, than they have in years past. Now, Omar Ballo as a starting center last year, I think made them a little bit more physical than they were the year before, even with Christian Coloco there. Yeah, different Kasha kind of Johnson, player. though, I think is, that's Keshaw Johnson is the one that changes it for mm-hmm. me. Kashaad Johnson does something that, that Arizona, I think, hasn't had. Number one, he allows them to play a, a standard lineup that is, more versatile Mm -hmm. that can switch he's an athletic guy but he's also big and he's very very physical he's a bruiser um and he and he gets them away from the going with two big men which i think often hurt arizona it hurt their spacing uh it hurt their ability to kind of get rebounds sometimes i mean i feel like some of these two big lineups intuitively it's kind of happening for ucla it sort of harms their ability to get rebounds uh, for a number of reasons. So I I I really think Keshawn Johnson gives them a dimension that I don't think that they've had in the past. Um, that they're able to go a little bit smaller, play a little bit smaller, play a little bit more versatile. They they can do a bunch more different things now than what they did in the past. So I that is I think that is what I'm more taking away from this game is that they look like they might have some pieces mm-hmm. that might enable them to be more sustainable again will it translate to march we'll see
1: i think this is a better arizona team than last year's team watching that game and like you said Keshad johnson is a game changer kylan boswell versus kirk arisa massive upgrade and you know i think not having to play two bigs is great Although I think Tommy Lloyd wants to play two bigs, <laughs> the way he talked to media day made it sound like he was yearning for the ability. Like, <laughs> like I want to, man, but it's just not going to happen this year as much because of uh, you know the yeah. What is it going to be, Crevas and Ballo? Like that, that, that would be a nightmare. You're not. Yeah, that's not that going to be a work. nightmare. Yeah. He won't do it. He's he's too smart for that. Uh, the reason that I'm still on my uh, they will not win in March. Uh, take. And uh, not my take, but like our collective position of they will not uh, win in March is not so much the physicality as it was before, uh, because like you said, Keshawn Johnson, man, he's just fun, he's great. Uh, but it's the half court offense. I thought it was. I thought they looked lost a little too often in the yes. half court. Yes. In that game, and that's pretty worrying for me. I think. That against Princeton, that was their biggest issue. Uh, and when they look, when a Tommy Lloyd team looks lost in the half court, they can't get out and run. That's when the physicality really <laughs> starts to wane. That's when yeah. Uh, yeah. they start not getting the 50 50 balls. And I'm a little worried about that. Maybe Kashad Johnson's just a fucking dog and doesn't let that happen. And they fight throughout. But I am worried about what happens when another team is shooting pretty luckily against them, and Mm -hmm. they are not shooting quite so well. They don't really have a set to get into to get an easy look. Um, So I'm still pretty worried for that reason, and I don't think that Caleb Love or Kylan Boswell are good enough creators of scoring that they can buoy that on their own consistently, you know? Uh, Like maybe in a game like that, both of those players I think have the ability to maybe go for like 25 and and save them when they when they're going to go on a scoring drought because they can't get in transition and they can't score in the half court but at the same time I don't trust either of them to do it consistently
0: yeah I think mean, that's that's going to be uh I think that's going to be a, a tough part you're right absolutely right about the half court stuff here's the thing though that that makes me a little maybe I'm just convincing myself I think in the half court, they have some options that they can rely on now that I don't think that they had in the past. I think last year, uh, they they didn't have any shot creators uh, that, I don't know, I I guess I think that they do have some shot creators. I think they have some shot creators that they didn't have last year. Cedric Henderson, um, Courtney Ramey, decent players, decent perimeter players, decent defenders, but you're not giving them the ball and asking them to create some stuff. I think you can get that with Kylan Boswell. Mm -hmm. I think Kylan Boswell absolutely can do that and bail you out with his playmaking abilities. I don't think he, he looks like a real person and you're, again, you're getting, we've talked about this. You're getting a massive upgrade between him and Kirk Creaser. Kirk Creaser was not creating those shots. He wasn't even doing it for others at Mm -hmm. at, at long stretches and games. Kylan Boswell, I think is a great facilitator and also himself can create his own shot. Caleb Love, ultra inefficient, very fucking Chaotic. You don't know what you're gonna get from him, except maybe a ton of shots. But you don't those know how things are gonna go down. But like in a half court set, like that might be a good option. To that's not a horrible second, third option in the half court mm-hmm. set. So, and Keshaw Johnson too. Like I think so. They have. I don't know that like half court. Uh, you know, playmate. I, I, okay, I'll say this. I don't think Tommy Lloyd has a lot in his bag in the half court. But I think he has players that can create stuff in the half court that he didn't have last mm-hmm. year. Caleb Love, Kylan Boswell, Keisha Johnson, Keisha Johnson. I think all three players that I I absolutely think that they are able to create stuff if nothing is there by themselves without much help from Tommy Lloyd. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. I, I guess I'm somewhat encouraged by it. But again, I'm encouraged by now. I'm trying to be you know I'm trying to hype Arizona up after a win over That's Duke. That's true. I, I've been already, too negative. We, we, you know, they, it was a big win over Duke and that's like totally worth, that is worth giving them some hype for. But the problem is that every, we've seen Arizona do this. Anyone who's watched this podcast, listened to this podcast knows that we have talked about Arizona looking like juggernauts after games like this before. And then they've just, it just never translated to mar- March. And so it that's, I don't know, great. It's awesome. Let's see what happens. We're gonna have to wait a couple more months before we know exactly how good this Arizona team is. That, that's sort of that's sort of where I'm at right now, and I think it's unless they run the table, mm-hmm. I can't see myself thinking otherwise. Yeah,
1: I want to say I'm not super confident right now. Like that Duke that Duke game did not instill me in confident with confidence that they'll flame out in March again, you know. But yeah,
0: that they won't. You yeah, mean. yeah yeah
1: yeah. But right now, when it's you know a close, like I could see it them doing well. I'm just going to err on the side of what I've seen in the past in March, and what I've seen in the past is them flaming out horrifically. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I will be yeah, leaning let's... on that until given better reason to believe otherwise. Yeah, completely valid. Well, let's move on to a couple of other games
0: before we get on to the rest of the slate. Let's it's go back to being sad boys, sad basketball boys here. We had two, uh, uh, well, we had one. Actually, uh, I don't want to talk about these games in depth. This is silly. Why am I doing this? Let's take a quick (laughs) ad break, and then let's get to the rest of the slate rapid fire. Hey there, it's Carlos, and it is basketball season once again, which means it's time to throw away those boring ass football jerseys and time to break in that sweet, sweet basketball apparel. And no one has better basketball shit uh, than Homefield. Homefield's collection of ba- vintage basketball shirts is so good. Uh, my personal favorite. This one right here. Uh, this actually is UCLA Center Court logo for the uninitiated. It's been the logo at poly Pavilion for forever now, except for a brief period of time during the Steve Alfred era when UCLA had that ugly thick script, which honestly very fitting for that era of UCLA basketball. Uh, that logo is iconic. And when I saw that Homefield dropped that as a shirt, I knew I had to get it. Uh, Homefield has basketball themed shirts for almost every Pac-12 school, and they are super cool, super comfy. Uh, they're so cool. That that I buy Pac-12 teams basketball shirts outside my own. For example, this Beaver Fever. Oh, look at that, it's blank. This Beaver Fever Oregon State basketball shirt is so fun, so unique. It's got Gill Coliseum in that little uh, font down there. You've got the Beaver there bouncing a basketball. It is a blast. And also, do not tell anyone this on Twitter, but I do have an Arizona basketball shirt commemorating their 1997 national championship. It's their best basketball shirt, I think, for Arizona, primarily because Arizona hasn't really done much in basketball since then. Anyway, uh, Homefield has really dope basketball stuff. Just peruse your team's shirts at homefieldapparel.com. You'll see what I mean. First time purchasers get a discount with promo code NOTRUCKSOUPS23. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. All right, we're back. Let's talk about the rest of the Slate Rapid Fire. Let's get into some shaming some shaming some teams right now. Uh, on what day is this? I didn't write my show notes, so I'm scrolling on my apps here. On Sunday, November 12th, Washington fell to Nevada 8376 in the Heck Ed Center in Seattle. Uh, Greg, you're on the... Is Mike Hopkins getting fired (laughs) midseason?
1: Mike Hopkins should be fired into the sun right fucking now, okay? I hate this Washington team with all of my heart. They have just, like, I, I think I love every player they have individually. I love everybody on that team. And he somehow makes watching them a slog. Like, the fact that you can have a roster as exciting as as they have and and make it look bad like he's just so uniquely terrible as a basketball coach i hate him they won't fire yeah, him absolutely
0: season, uh it's funny uh nevada is, is also coached by an idiot basketball coach steve <laughs> alford just insane watching these two do absolutely <laughs> like their offenses are just, yeah. Let, let's give it to a do it and see what happens. <laughs> Washington, Washington just happened to be a little bit sloppier, frankly. Um, Keon Brooks looks cool, looks like a real player. That's kind of it. He's gonna, he's gonna strike some fear into some teams, and then everyone's gonna be like, yeah, just shut him down, and then you're good, and they'll be fine. Yeah. So, uh, let's move on from one fucking disappointment to another. Santa Clara upsets Stanford in Maple's Pavilion, eighty 89- nine. To seventy-seven, Stanford uh, was absolutely dog shit in
1: this game. Greg, <laughs> who's worse, was Stanford or Washington? Washington's worse, I think. Uh, okay, maybe maybe Washington ends up being a better team, but I like Washington's roster a lot more, so I'm more offended that it's being wasted. Uh, Andre Stoyakovich looked really good for uh, <laughs> for Stanford, at least in the loss. So, yeah. so good, good for First them, I for guess. Him. But like. God, why did you retain Jared Haas? Everybody knew this was going to fucking happen. <laughs> yeah, these two teams are Except going Reed, down the shitter. Knew. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, and even Reed not knowing is, is a bit, honestly.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, garbage stuff from Stanford. They got re- out rebounded by Santa Clara, forty to twenty-eight. Like that is a huge rebounding disparity for all the size that they have. Maxime Reynaud, a big dude. You should be able to. Oh my God, Stanford is Stanford to Washington, both. I, I picked them to be the worst two teams in the Pac-12 by a comfortable margin. I'm glad that's coming true. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what's happening. Uh, on Saturday, ASU beat Texas Southern 63-52. On Friday night, Oregon State beat Troy in double overtime. Colorado, throttled, grambling state. Oregon beat Montana without Nefali Dante in an ugly one, 75-61. Stanford, did beat Sac State, so I guess credit to them. Ninety-one seventy-three. Utah beat UC Riverside eighty-two to fifty-three, and Wazoo beat Prairie View AM 83 to sixty-five. Greg, any notes from these?
1: Not a lot. I wasn't able to catch two of the three, but like, I mean, not two of the three, two of these games. But I don't think there was anything spectacular in nah. any of them. Eh. Even as I yearn to talk about Utah basketball. Uh, There was nothing notable (laughs) about that UC Riverside game. Uh, Just continue hoping Davon Smith gets a waiver. Uh, But, yeah.
0: Only notable thing for me, Oregon State back-to-back overtime wins. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) A double OT against Troy, where Troy
1: apparently didn't almost make
0: their flight home, but then they did. So that was
1: cool. According to Ken Palm's excitement ratings, uh, that Oregon State-Troy game is the most exciting game of the year so far.
0: Lovely. Hang a banner. Oregon State. Uh, Jordan Pope did not look good in that first game against Troy, but looked much, much mm-hmm. better in that second game against Appalachian State. What's uh? Do you know? Do you have Appalachian State? How good are they? Did Oregon State accidentally beat a really, really good
1: team? Uh, Unfortunately doubt it.
0: 181. That's not bad. That is,
1: that's better than I was expecting. Good yeah. on Oregon State. Up the Beavs. Good on Oregon State. Uh, they
0: have now beaten a team not rated, right, I think like a Division Two, II, Division Three team. The number 223 team in Troy, double overtime. And then the number 181 team in Appalachian State. Gotta say, Beavs, pretty good. Liking my Beavs going 500 uh, uh, pick here. They got Nebraska and Baylor coming up here. So let's see how they handle that. <laughs> Those two teams, top 60 teams in Ken Palm. So we will see uh other than that pack 12 mostly went chalk we had a couple you know weird games here and there but they were fine uh women's basketball though we had some really really big ones stanford beat the shit out of number nine indiana cameron brink was unbelievable in this game uh she dominated fantastic stuff stanford almost certainly will be top 10 maybe even i think they actually are top 10 right they might be actually number five number six
1: i thought they, had they five were women's basketball um... teams
0: where where are they? We have five Pac twelve women's yeah. basketball teams in the top ten. What are they?
1: Um there's Utah, Stanford, Colorado. Are they there? Yeah. Arizona?
0: Yeah. UCLA. Yeah. Well right. Um so yeah, tons of tons of teams there in the top twenty five and five of them in the top ten. Really, really cool stuff. So Stanford looking pretty oh, awesome. One of them might Beating not be in the top, top 10,
1: ten after this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about that one really quick. Baylor beat Utah 84-77 in Waco. This was Utah's first loss and also kind of an important loss considering that Utah is considered Pac-12 women's basketball favorites coming into this one. Greg, did you get to watch it? you have any thoughts? I was
1: able to watch this game and I, I'm not too worried because Baylor looked like a good team, but Utah during that game, it was so weird. To me, it looked like the offense and the defense just never quite lined up at the same time. Utah would have stretches where offensively they looked really good, but they would just give up really dumb baskets defensively, and then they would like lock down and they'd really get stops and then just looked inept, look inept in the half court, uh, which is concerning, but at the same time, like if they can just put those together, they'll be the Utah team we expected them to be. Alyssa Peely remains absolutely unguardable. Uh, oh,
0: in the, oh, down low, it's just a nightmare. The post moves are insane. Nightmare.
1: It's so funny how effortlessly she just releases from anybody trying to defend her. Uh, she's she's pretty small, or which it, it does hurt because you know there were some times where I felt like Baylor's size bothered her. But uh, still, I I don't know. I'm I'm worried about Utah after that game, but I don't think that it is. It doesn't necessarily mean they can't win the back 12
0: yeah, we'll see what happens with Utah. See if they bounce back from that one. Uh, a couple other scores, notable scores here. Other than that, uh, aside from these scores, uh, Pac-12 went went chalk. Um, Wazoo beat Montana, 61-49 in Montana. That was a fun game, Wazoo. Kind of Montana stayed connected, but Wazoo was in control for the vast majority of that game. The one thriller, though, Colorado, which had just beat number one LSU the week prior, escaped with a win over Oklahoma State, 86-75. That score does not portray what situation Colorado was in in that game. Colorado, damn near lost. It. <laughs> uh, they were, um, if truth be told, Oklahoma State controlled most of that game. Frida Foreman went ice ice cold in this one. Uh, eventually, did find her shot, but. Um I think mostly it was uh Quay Miller who kind of carried their forward carried Colorado through this one. So good for Colorado. Escape with against the you know, Oklahoma State team that is I think they're I think they might be ranked now, or they might be close to ranked. I can't remember. Um so we will uh we'll see. Good for Colorado for staying undefeated and good for them. Utah I think is officially outside the the top ten if I remembered. So hmm. the only real loss there. Um okay. That's All the slate, most of the slate with little... Did you like that, Greg? I didn't prepare at all for that. I normally prepare meticulously. I thought you you did a
1: good job considering no prep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So next time I'll have better prep as I check the score. UCLA up on LIU Brooklyn (sighs) 43-25. Because of Greg, I'm going to have to go back and watch this one and see what the hell happened. But uh, look at that. Dembona, 14 points, 6 rebounds, 6 for 8 shooting. Not bad. Not bad. Great content. All right. Let's talk about some important games coming up here we have as i scroll through my app oh this is one that i had noted down utah
1: Tra- are they oh. traveling to north carolina no they're to go- south is carolina a- are they going is this a road game at wake forest uh this is in I wake think- forest is was- in north carolina yeah right? yeah so this is like the charleston classic south- or something like-
0: yeah yeah something like that yeah uh, they're going to wake forest utah four and a half point favorites I know you don't know nothing about uh, Wake Forest, so what are you watching for from here, from Utah?
1: Well, I did look at Campom and Utah is a favorite for Kempom. uh Interesting thing, looking at this. Utah's moved ahead of Oregon in Kempom to be the fifth highest-rated team in the Pac-12. They're right next to each other in the national rankings. But that, oh, wow. was, that was surprising awesome. to me. Uh, but back to the Wake Forest game, what I want to see from Utah is... A dominant, maybe not dominant, but I want to see very sound defense, you know, like we've talked about with that size. The defense is going to be the bread and butter. And I want to see because it, I want to see better half court offense with, with Lawson Lovering in because it's, it's pretty clear that Craig Smith wants to play him and Carlson together. And if that works, I think it could be, it could really work, you know. But I, thus far, I haven't loved it. I, I, I like Kibukeda a lot more than Lawson Levering with with Carlson right now. And uh, we'll see. I, I want to, I want to see a little bit more cohesion when those two are on the court together. That's that's what I'll be looking for most. But I, a win, you know, a win is a win. <laughs> However they oh, do yeah, it, especially... if they can pull that off against a good team like Wake Forest, I'll feel great. 72nd
0: in Kempong, uh, wake forest is. So that'll be a, a really useful test, I think for Utah and the moose, uh, a couple other big notable games here. Uh, Xavier plays Washington. Xavier is coached by Sean Miller. For those who don't remember, they are 38th in Kempong. They're going to travel. I think they travel. Nope. Oh, they play in Las Vegas, um, probably some tournament or something. Uh, so that'll be a big test for Washington. Uh we also get Mississippi State playing Washington State. Mississippi State is uh I don't think they're that highly rated, but they're you know they're a power basketball team. I have to go and this is what I do when I don't prep is I just control F. That's what everyone wants to see here. You see has um, got
1: Marquette, right? Or is that next? Uh,
0: I don't do they have Marquette do they have Marquette this week? I've got to go back and look at the schedule. Uh Mississippi State is actually twenty-first in Kim so that is a pretty big test for Washington State. Washington State looks like a competent team. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's see how they hold up. Uh, that game will be in Connecticut, probably some tournament that we're not aware of. Uh, and then Oregon State that same day plays Nebraska, Xavier, Washington, Mississippi State, Washington State, Nebraska, Oregon State. Which one are you looking forward to most between those?
1: Obviously not Washington. Uh, I think <laughs> I think Washington State. I want to see them against a good team. Would love for them to be able to pick up. You know, and and look like uh, a threat for the bubble after what they lost last year. Uh, that that game, I think, is the one I'll be most excited for. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm really curious. I'm I'm curious, kind of
0: curious about Oregon State. Like, That's a good you know, point. Yeah, I mean, can they be com- can, can they be competitive in that one? This one's in South Dakota, so it's maybe a little bit closer to Nebraska's home, but it'll be a, it'll be a true neutral, I think. Uh, can 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 Oregon State? They're competitive there? I'm like, okay, all right, Oregon State. You might be able to do something there. Um, So we'll see. Washington State, I think you're absolutely right. Xavier Washington, I don't know. I think there's a good chance Washington actually wins that game because Keon Brooks goes nuclear, gets 35 points or something crazy like that. We will see. Uh, One other pretty interesting game, I guess Baylor at Oregon State, Arkansas. Not Baylor at Oregon State. I think that game is in New York. Baylor plays Oregon State in New York and Arkansas Plays Stanford in the Bahamas. Uh, you like? It? Do you think either of those teams have a shot at an upset here? Both of those are top fifteen teams. No. <laughs> I
1: want. <laughs> uh, I want the last it, one. but not. Not with. No. Yeah,
0: yeah, and then the last one here is part of the Maui uh, Invitational. UCLA plays Marquette. I don't know anything about Marquette, but they are fourth in the ap poll they are ninth in ken palm ucla's first true test so they got 3 gimmies here and they're currently beating the shit out of their current gimme i don't know you like you like ucla's chances you think we're, they're gonna get exposed you think they're we're gonna be surprised what do you think we're gonna feel about ucla when we're done with that one
1: i i want to have a good time watching that game I don't think we will. I think I think we're going to watch that game, and we are going to see U- UCLA stuck in the mud. And uh, I don't think they're going to be able to drag Marquette down sufficiently to uh, win this game. That being said, would be tremendously impressive if they do that.
0: Yeah, I think uh, UCLA... I'm gonna set the expectations now. If there are any UCLA fans who are watching this instead of the UCLA basketball game right now, first of all, comment away. I want to know who you <laughs> are so we can commiserate over Greg dragging us into this mud. Um, but Marquette is a very, very experienced team. Uh, they've got a bunch of upperclassmen all along the starting lineup, all throughout the rotation. They're a. They are a they are a problematic team for a very young UCLA squad. I think Marquette's going to beat the shit out of them. I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, opportunities, but if UCLA stays competitive, uh, Matthew V shout out to Matthew V, uh, somehow doing both of that. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I, I think if UCLA is competitive, they make this an ugly game. Let's, let's see what happens. Yeah. So, um, anyway, that's it that's all we got thank you everyone for tuning in all four of you i'm gonna go back to watching the ucla basketball game i also got to eat i haven't eaten anything in about like eight hours so starving we'll see if anything is open in minneapolis at 10 30 p.m but for now that's greg i'm carlos thank you to everyone for listening thank you to everyone for watching and subscribing thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast uh what else how do i and uh, remember there are no trick steps here is that how yeah, i believe i't write show notes, that, so that's am i believe that's
1: that's how that's how it ends yes and then and then i say <laughs> there. And then i say not even one and then we're done <laughs> and then we're done all right bye don't if the sun don't shine so sweet Best wine on the boat tonight, I think I'll be a superstar